Welcome to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... We have Tim. We have Kendon. All right, guys, another uh, trying week. Mm-hmm. I think we start out this episode with the news that our T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman, passed away on Friday. Yeah. Um, very surprising. Tim, did you know he was sick? No one knew he was sick. I yeah. saw a post from Spike Lee and somebody asked him if he knew when they were shooting the five bloods and he said nobody knew. So not just his family and loved ones knew. That's Was amazing. that kind of an action movie, right? Not really. And there's some action in it, but yeah. Huh. You know, we have a, 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 a movie poster, like a large size movie poster from Black Panther. So it is kind of nice to have like his face just in our living room right now. I actually uh, have I actually have one up above my desk at work too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's someone who will keep in thoughts, but I just forty three is just insane. Young. And your friend Ella was in her thirties. Yeah. Last week. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, I mean I think for me the the because this made me sad and I think I mean death is something that we're all gonna have to deal with and that we've all dealt with on some level in our lives, but I think the sad part for me was. It was all the videos of him being very selfless that, that sort of resurfaced. When he won the MTV award and he brings up the guy who stopped the shooter at the Waffle House, he brings him on stage saying he's a real hero. Some of the conversations that he was having, uh, but mostly like I was thinking about being at Comic-Cons and seeing kids from all races and ages and sizes embracing the character that way. And T'Challa sort of being that vessel for them. Like that was, for a lot of them, their introduction to Black Panther was, was Captain America Civil War and the movies. So seeing how it was embraced and how much it sort of engulfed, you know, kids, especially young Black kids, was incredible. And sort of see that sort of, now that sort of taken was kind of jarring, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, and he was... um he was an interesting personality to play the role, right? Because you've got, you, you know, he could have been like big headed and had a lot of bravado and been one of those stars, but he's not like that's, he yeah. was very genuine. It seemed like, and very like down to earth. And um, see, I mean, from anything that I had seen um, him in after the movie came out. And so it's, oh, yeah. Obviously, obviously a very private person. Mm-hmm. we didn't know right very private like to keep to be a big star like that and to keep something like that unwrapped, not shared and not have some publicists running some kind of spin sort of kept in house and he passed away with his family and loved ones yeah i respect that i had wondered whether you know we had been waiting for black panther 2 right like okay when do we get them again and it had always seemed questionable about whether he was going to be the Black Panther in in whatever follows. Like there was talk about, well, I guess Shuri in the comics. And I I had wondered if the the fact that that wasn't in production was for a reason. Um, like he hadn't signed on to it or not, but. It might, it might have been. Yeah. It doesn't it really very matter. much well might have been, yeah. Um, well, rest in peace to Chadwick Bosman. Chadwick, yeah. You know, he did, I told you he was in an episode of Lie to Me, right? Yeah, he did. Your favorite show. 
It is. And he was, he was good in it. He, he was, yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's go back to the 80s where maybe happier times. Happier times. Happier times. Pre BC, right? Before COVID. Uh, pre 2020. All right. What comedian played minor league baseball player Monty Bruiser, Brewster in Brewster's Millions? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know that movie. I know that one. I don't either. It's Richard Pryor. Oh, I love Richard Pryor. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Mm-hmm. I good? don't think I've ever seen it. What? Yeah. Is it good, Tim? Yeah. I mean, good. It's an 80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> Relative. Yeah. But yes, is well, it- I mean, we have a treat coming up on this week, so. Yeah, you know, this week, Big Trouble Little China yeah. was a treat. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a wild movie. It is a wild movie. Okay. What Italian actor and model became famous in the 1980s for appearing on the cover of romance novels and fitness magazines? Uh, Fabio. Yeah. Do you guys know he co-writes a romance series now? No, I'm not surprised, though. Yeah. I remember uh, women loved him. It was like a thing. I only knew him as a joke. Like, yeah. But yeah, that's all I knew. Like, a, like a sex symbol. For real, for real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. What entertainment news show started its run on September 14, 1981, though John Tesh wouldn't join the show until a few years later? Entertainment Tonight. What's the sound? No. I was going to say, I, I almost did the NBA theme because that's his music. The NBA, NBC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's John Tesh did that. Does that? That's his music. Like for really? Yes. You can find clips of him on YouTube playing it. It's crazy. That's him. Oh, that is that is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. What was the name of the process by which pumice stones were used to soften garments? Garments. Garments like clothes. Yeah. No idea. I've never even heard of this. It's called stone washing. Stone wash jeans. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. In what song do the Bengals lament, I wish it was Sunday because that's my fun day? Not a Bengals fan. So don't know. I was going to make a football joke, but I don't even know football that well. I think the next line is, not another manic Monday. Oh. That's ah. Okay, mark this card, done. Done. Put Would it in the box. dog ear it? Dog ear it as done. Okay, so here we are in 2020. Very, very end of August. Yes. Um, sun is still up. We're still getting some of those summer days. Yep. But we're going to talk about what we've been doing. But first, let's talk about news. What news do you have? Before Kenan gets into his very happy news, I do want to say the NBA had a boycott this week. And uh, it was fascinating to see the players come together and not play and say, we want action. And they got some action out of it, which was bananas. Like, I didn't see that coming. So they got the owners who own their facilities to open them up for voting, to be voting places. And they, I just was watching a clip with Anthony Davis, and he said, that's what we held them to. And if they don't do it, we're just not going to play. 
I think that's a brilliant, like, cause I can be a little cynical and be like, okay, so, I mean, I appreciate you're doing this, but what is it, what is it going to get? What, what yeah. can non-governmental, right? They know the, the basketball teams and owners don't necessarily have that much influence over policy. So what's the, the concrete thing? And they surprised, I mean, they, I'm not saying that, <laughs> but they surprised me. Not like I was like, oh, you can't do it. But like, it was like, oh, that's a clever, that's a clever solution. You know, yeah. that's one of the things I really like is that people are clever and we can find, we can find ways like that everybody can help. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's like the whole, did I talk to you recently about the responsibility? One of uh, the people who I, I had an intake on recently was calling it. He's like, well, that's my responsibility. And what your responsibility is, is it's based on what you're able to respond to and how you can respond. And if you're, if it's your ability, then it's your responsibility. And I really like that um, because it takes being clever and creative to figure out what that might be. And yeah, making those available for voting so that people can go in and social distance. Oh, yeah. And vote for, and like, you know, cause one, one, of, one of the biggest issues, you know, last election we saw in 2018, it's voter suppression, right? It's, it's keeping people from the polls and it's, it, you know, trying to discourage people from voting, trying to make you apathetic about your vote, all of those things. And if you can make it easier for people to vote, I don't even know why it's not even a holiday for everyone has off work to vote. But you, Several other countries have voting holidays. Right. We should have a voting holiday. Um, but if, if it can be easier for people to vote in these areas that are, you know, very dense populations like Houston, um, you know, these major cities. Yeah. Good. Good people. I mean, wait till they start giving out like uh signed posters or a chance to win a pair of, I don't know, LeBrons. <laughs> I, don't know you, I don't know if you can do that politically, but why not? Uh, if it's a fundraiser. Yeah, probably. Well, no, no, not, no, not that just you showed up. Um, thank you for voting your favorite basketball player. Just doesn't vote. matter who you voted for. Yeah. Thank you for voting. And that, that's the other funny thing about this. Right? There are people on uh, different political sides who feel like this is somehow some leftist agenda. I'm like, no, this is everyone goes gets, can vote here. I don't care who you vote. No one's looking over your shoulder in the voting poll. This is allowing access for everyone to vote. And say it's a democratic election. Give everyone an equal opportunity to vote. Now that's like, if you think about it, that really messes up some of the plans of people who have been trying to close voting stations strategically in certain yeah. communities. Yeah. Um, these are huge facilities, huge. right? Lots which also means with some legit planning, which they still have some months to do, you can so, get a lot of people socially distanced through. Yeah. Exactly. So, for, so, so previous to this, LeBron had been working. And this is why I, I listen, I really have a hard time with people who hate LeBron. I don't understand it. <laughs> I really, you don't. It's amazing. Game, that's fine. You don't like him playing for the Lakers. That's cool. But like the hatred he gets, like him, him and his foundation are paying for more pollsters to be at these places. That's where they're putting their money at. Oh, we need more people here. Here's some money. This man opened a school. He's been paying for people to go to college in the city of Akron. But I don't know if you've ever noticed about him, and, and this can be a really annoying thing. He's black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he might have hit it on the head. Uh, you know how many pseudo-racist people I meet who say they don't like LeBron? Why don't you like him? I don't know. I just can't stand him. Okay. I haven't watched the NBA. 
Okay. So what? Are, why do you say pseudo? They're. I mean, they don't think they're racist. Uh, and I'm like, Lucky. well, why don't you like him then? What is it? Can't put your finger on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, one day we'll talk about the, the certain type of black people that some people enjoy. And if you're not that type of black person, then they don't, don't have anything to do with you. Anyway, and I just want to say that that was great. It was good to see these guys get together. And it sent shockwaves to the rest of the league. Hockey, Major League Baseball. Women's, women's WNBA. The, w, the WNBA has been about it, so I'm not even surprised. And women have been on it since day one. Um, yeah, and since shockwaves to other sports to follow suit and and, and start yeah. doing some real stuff. This mm-hmm. is just my time to to plug this thing, even though I don't watch basketball. Um, pay the women more. <laughs> just yeah. just pay the women more. Pay them more. Yeah, that would be good. I th- oh, that's what it was. It, okay, so it came up because uh, the Blank Check podcast is doing the uh, a series on the director of Love and Basketball. Yeah. And what I didn't realize, well, first of all, I know my, my dad and my sister went to the first like, season of the ABL back when it came out. Yeah, I remember that. My dad's had beef with the WNBA or with the NBA based on the WNBA because the ABL had been paying higher uh, salaries. Salaries, they had been. Oh, and I, had a, what was it? The rain? I think that sounds that sounds right. Yeah, rain. Um, and he just kind of felt like it that the NBA messed up by um or not messed up, but kind of screwed the the women over by buying up a bunch of the talent and then keeping the salaries low. Now I yeah. did do a little research into it, and I guess the ABL like had its own management issues and some decisions they made. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so real quick before you they had to ended up partnering WNBA teams with, with with NBA franchises, right, to cut some of the costs and all that. Anyway, go ahead. But then also putting them in the summer so yeah. that they would never have to worry about competing for ratings or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it does make it a second-class citizen sort of thing. And I'm, you know, whether or not I'm into a sport, I am about fairness, right? Mm-hmm. And this, even if they're not bringing in as much money, the idea, oh, this is what I was learning, right, from the from the podcast is like they have to yeah. to play all year round. They make their money at the WNBA, and then they hop on a plane and they're overseas. So they're tired. They probably break down faster. They're not making as much money. It's just a whole, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they have one is, was a step up, but I mean, that was 25 years ago. I don't know. A long time ago. So anyways, that's my (laughs) extra Yeah, if we're gonna if we're if we're gonna fight social justice, we're really gonna talk about this sort of thing. The NBA, um, racial justice is great. Um, also, some gender justice. Yeah. Thanks, babe. I'm 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 uh, what do you call it? I'm uh, trademarking that gender, gender justice. justice. So my plug is to vote, and um, but one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is early voting and the fact that. You know, most states have early voting in some form. It they mm-hmm. they all vary, but you can go to nass.org. It's like National Association of Secretaries of State or State Secretaries. Right. Um, and there, if you like, look at they have a a search for early voting, and that you can just like click on your state, and it'll take you to the website that shows you like what your state's early voting options are. And I really appreciate it because like you can do like even for ones who have to go in person 
if you go in early, there won't be as many people there. And so it's a way to avoid some of the crowds on election day. And so thinking about COVID, um, that is something that I've been thinking about is like anybody who has, who's compromised um, and is nervous about going in person on voting day, like this is an option to try to mitigate some of that. I mean, you still have to go outside and you still have to go in person to do some of that. I mean, not all, but um, obviously if you, if you're, if you have a mailed ballot, you can just send that in easy, no social, like no social distancing required because you don't have to leave your house really. But, um, but yeah, that's one of the things I've been thinking about lately is for anybody who needs to go in person to vote, um, pay attention to when your early voting options are because then you can go do that and you don't have to wait till election day and risk all like, you know, exposure and all of those crowds. Right. Also, I think I would just caution everybody, don't listen to the most extreme things you hear after the election goes no. on because it's about to be an odd election. It'll probably take a little longer to find out the results. And if somebody tries to say that it was all illegitimate because this reason or another, we all should go into this knowing that it's not ideal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I, uh, back to the main point, it's brilliant. I love all of these stadiums. I mean, I guess we don't have one here that would be doing it, but still. Yeah, but I thought they were talking about uh, one of our um, our stadiums doing it. Oh, I, I would know. Who would it? What would it be though? I think Century it was. Link? Yeah, is it Century Link? I forget what an, they're called. That's an outdoor one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or maybe it's or Safeco then. The lid. The, lid. <laughs> the lid. I mean, honestly, open air isn't a bad idea. For... Yeah, not at all. Um, yeah, it's Dodger one of those stadium. two. Dodger Stadium is one, but I mean, but we're also talking about the parking lot, right? So there's a lot of space. A lot of space you get to use. Right. So it, it, I was just thinking, it's not limited to the NBA. You're saying yeah. other state stadiums are opening up. Yeah, because Dodger Stadium is doing it. Um, other places are doing it. So, yeah, it's not limited to NBA. Well, the other part is, like, some of them are – I mean, they all have private-owned components to it, but some of them are, like, paid by the the cities, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so we have some say over how we use it sometimes. Yeah. Um, some negotiating ability there, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I, I do commend them for figuring out a way to have action and, and get something out of it. You know, it's interesting you said that. And I was like, yeah, but that's a double-edged sword based off of, you know, whether or not the place is more conservative or, you know, maybe they don't want. But the cities, even in the most conservative areas, are tend to be more liberal and more wanting to open voting rights. So even like in the most you know, conservative area, they, these cities might want to open up a stadium for, I'm effusive about this idea. Mm -hmm. I just put it that way. So I don't remember who it was. I kind of think it was our president, but I'm not sure who admitted that when more people vote, <laughs> it's not good for that, for him. Um, it was multiple... either the RNC or it was Trevor right. or somebody. So it was like, okay, that's, that that's. There's been yeah. multiple like major Republican um, leaders over the last several years who have just out and said that like, it's not all that much of a secret conspiracy in no. that way. Like no. they just know it. There's no, and that they're bold enough to say it now. It's like, we don't want everyone voting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay. So uh, any other, other news? The other news topic. Were you able to watch that video? Uh, Tim? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I actually listened to it. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So Joe Budden is leaving Spotify. His podcast is leaving its exclusivity deal with Spotify, which is interesting because there's been a lot of movement the opposite direction, at least in, within my own, let's say, podcasting favorites, right? Uh, last podcast on the left, which Tim is also a partial fan of or a full yeah, fan. Full fan. Um, they, let's see, maybe six months ago now, something like that, yeah, went went uh exclusive which is weird because even though i listen to a lot of music on spotify it's not my first place for podcasts so they've become slightly out of uh out of sight out of mind um and then of course the big one being joe rogan which i know you're not a fan of and i've kind of fallen off of ever since the protest movement started because he come, comes across very reactionary and not particularly thoughtful on what you don't say <laughs> i mean yeah, we haven't talked about this because I was I was avoiding any Tim told you so's, but listen, Tendon, it's not an I told you so. We all arrive to points at different times. It's listen, not, not when he's time. having conversations about people who believe that there was an advanced civilization before the Ice Age, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. Like he talks to a lot of different people and it tends to be pretty open minded, but like all of the stuff he was starting to say was leaning a certain way when it came to the protests. Yeah. And you've got to realize and I want to point this out to everybody. These are all rich people. Rachel Maddow is rich. Okay. Yeah. Every one of these people on, on the news and or on the cable news, they're all rich. So just remember whatever you're hearing from them is coming from a certain point of view. And that really became evident with Joe Brogan when I was listening. I was like, oh, you don't really have that sort like even if you came from that you know more humble beginnings you're not there anymore so and you have been there for quite some time for quite some time your tax bracket has been way different so anyways um more to the point um what do you guys think like so i guess joe uh joe budden got there built up the he was one of the early the early major gets right yeah and i think they he said um, based off the like their initial projections, they beat it by like six or nine fold, like nine times what they were expecting. They were bringing in a lot of listeners. Um, he made a really interesting uh, strip club uh, analogy for the whole thing mm -hmm. about how you're you're getting taxed when you get into the strip club. You're getting taxed at every turn. Like you want to get a bunch of ones, you're you're basically paying ten percent. To, to break a hundred or whatever. Um, and, and these are all the analogy being like they're um, Spotify is trying to get every little, like every aspect of your audience trying to get a little more from them, get a little more from them, get a little more from them. Um, and so he feel, and he's also, for those who don't know, has had a history within the recording business. Um, I don't know if you ever could call him a successful rapper, right? Yes. Well, he had like one major hit and I'm not saying he wasn't good and he got signed, but he had an issue with not with the studios, not proper, not studios, um, record labels, not fully supporting him. Like, and that's sort of, so he has this. And so one of the things he's known for uh, other than being like the angry old man <laughs> in the rap game is talking to younger artists about looking at the deals that they're signing, looking at, um understanding that you can get screwed that they don't always have your back this is yeah. that that's where the the whole um yachty inter interaction yeah. came from the um so i mean what do you what do you think because what i've seen with podcasting i don't like 
um, with, with the last podcast on the left, when they went to Spotify, I was like, okay, well, they're going to start tracking the ads, right? And now the ads are interstitial. Like, it, it's like it jumps from one audio track to another one with a timer, like you kind of will see on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? You can still skip through all of them, but I'm like, how long is that going to be something I can do? Now, right now, I'm a Spotify uh, premium subscriber, mm-hmm. but it's still the ads show up anyways, mm-hmm. right? And at one point, what point are they going to try? Yeah, when are they going to try to control I can't skip the ad or I have to wait five seconds before I can skip the ad. And they also know, like, if you're just letting something play, you're not looking straight at the screen to hit skip as soon as possible. So you get some of this obnoxious ad. Anyways, thoughts? I'm glad that we don't have any ads. I wish we did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way ads started off were fine. Like, it would be like, uh, you know, 15, 20 seconds at the beginning, something at the end. Um, I wouldn't mind having ads, but I don't want to turn into, I would never want to turn into television or the way YouTube is. If somebody wants to support, that's great, but the content is really important. And I think what I hear a lot is, oh, well, th- this supports the, our ability to have higher and higher product production or allows us to do this. Like in the end, like I fell in love with a lot of these podcasts just for their voice. Like we don't, I don't need things to get more and more amped up right you don't need to get fancy but, but i i think the difference you know when i first listened to podcasts i think when we saw ads place it felt more like a partnership with whoever they were doing an ad for and less like an ad drop but when you get to some place like spotify it feels like these ads are just placed in with no rhyme or reason uh to the creator and what's in there but i think so i was talking to my friend brett brought this up in a group chat and brett made a good point he says he thinks Button's going to start his own thing. And I agree 100% because I think whether, whether it was Joe Button when he was on a radio show, whether it was Joe Button when he was on Everyday Struggle, whether it's him now on Spotify, he does not play well with other people. And that's not a distance. It's just his personality. And if you're going to partner with him in something, you have to come with the understanding that if at any point he feels aggrieved, it's going public. He's going to talk about it on his platform in detail, right? He talked about a conversation yeah. with Charlemagne. With, I don't know if Charlemagne wants that to be public, but he's on his platform. He's going to do it. And that's, that's, and think about that for any relationship you're in, right? Friendships, people you're dating, someone you're in business with, the moment they feel aggrieved, they're talking about it. And that's, that's, that's hard. And also the kind of money he's probably looking for. I don't know who, if it's not Spotify, I don't know who's, Pulling up that kind of money. Revolt. Well, that's the thing, right? It's either the money or the freedom. Yeah. Right. Revolt. Just because somebody doesn't pony up the money, then he, he really does seem to uh, really appreciate his freedom, his freedom of emotion, or, or he doesn't want to be restricted. But to be fair, he does. Well, I don't know if it's fair, but to be a more accurate, right? He does bring up that he has NDAs, so he he doesn't just blab everything, right? No, no, no. But I'm, I'm talking about that conversation. So if you're Spotify. That conversation—that's not a conversation. You, we talked about getting a phone call from Bill Simmons. Like, that's not a conversation you want public, right? Maybe he didn't break an NDA, but that's still not a public conversation. Like, and that's—I think he'll be fine. I think he has a big enough audience. The only rub is going to be—they made a lot of money touring, and until he can get rid of this Rona stuff, in a free Rona society, I think he quickly jumps on his own and makes a bunch of money touring. 
probably records on the road. Right, because just they were recording from a basement before, right? So you get in your hotel room, him and, and his podcast partners, and they record a show while they're on a ten city tour doing live dates. They could do that, um, but right now with the Rona, that's going to be real difficult. Going to be real hard unless they do like a live stream show. Well, the other thing they're missing though, um, and I didn't really, so I learned about or I started listening to his podcast as clips on or full yeah. episodes on YouTube while I'm playing a game or something. And then they would always cut out when he played music, which I didn't, like, I kind of knew they were doing, but didn't really realize. So the audio he, drops. The audio just drops for a second. Okay, fine. But when he, but when you listen to it on Spotify and the music, it's a whole different vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, partnering with Spotify gave him that access. Does he go to Apple? Like, where, where else do you get? Yeah. And Apple, I doubt Apple's that much better than spotify maybe just to stick it to another tech company they might give him a better deal to begin with but but i I understand him not wanting spotify to have a piece of his pull-up show that he does whatever maul's gonna do whatever rory does like i understand that like a piece of their tour money like what are what are we doing yeah why are we doing that so yeah what do you say i really liked what he said there's people who don't care to uh, what fertilize the soil, but just want to take the uh, fruit. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So I recently learned from Jono this like concept of it's like a not a pyramid, but like there's three points, and like for musicians to, to like decide whether to take a gig or not. Mm-hmm. One of them is the money. If the money is good, and it's one of those like if two exist, like if two are good, then you take it. If if you don't have two that are good, then you don't take it. One is the money, if the money is good. Two is the music. So like the content is, are you making good music? And then three is the hang. And it's like, are you having fun? Are the people that you're working with you're enjoyable? And it's right. like, you need, you need those three things. Wait, wait, no, do you need three or you need two? So you're saying if you the hang is good and the, the money is good, but the music isn't that good, well, whatever. Let's yeah, at least you're it. having fun. Yeah, you're having there's fun a, making money. There's a sign up um, at one of the instrument rooms uh, um, at work. Um, where it says we have three types of service and it's like it can be it's fast it's cheap or it's good and you can only have two if it's going to be fast and it's going to be good it ain't going to be cheap yeah (laughs) and it's maybe because yeah so but for this one i just think it it's funny because it applies to a lot of things and i'm wondering for like for joe budden so the money is good but is it that good if if they're you know it sounds like they're looking ahead and having to like get pieces of it from around sounds like the hang is not good like the people that he makes his music or his music his oh yeah his music his podcast right like that is good but that existed pre-spotify so it sounds like the hang that spotify brought on is not good um and then the content uh it sounds like is might be suffering as well so it makes like if you look at it that way it might make sense that like i wouldn't say the content is suffering no but he might feel that way like once you have intervention like that like you're you've been talking about it like they break into it with an ad right like it's not timed it's not um you know so uh yeah interesting is the one other thing is is they haven't figured out since they have yet to be straight up all podcasts have commercial breaks built in Mm -hmm. if you're watching on youtube this might be in the middle of a sentence and it just breaks to a an ad it doesn't it's terrible Right, TV used to, to to fit in ads, and some podcasts who do ad reads, well, but um, these interstitial ads are 
awful. And I've act, I've actively chosen to avoid certain brands after they've irritated me. Well, so yeah. like it reminds me of, <laughs> they've irritated me. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, radio where, but there you have a producer, you have somebody who's you're live, right? So you know, okay, it's it's time for a commercial, and so you like kind of finish your thought, go to the commercial, come back, and it's like this like, um, it, there's like a flow to it, but that's not that's not how podcasts are recorded. And so, I mean, maybe you do know, like once you've been on like Spotify for a while, you know that there's going to be an ad at the 30 second mark and the two minute mark and the, and so like you guys are watching, but like, I don't know how much time is passing in between. I brought so up, it could I just brought cut up, off your conversation. I brought up the blank check podcast and um, what do you call it? Um, that's podcast on the left. And they record knowing that there's going to be ad breaks, right? The, it's almost like they bring it up uh, in, sec- in segments. They kind of have their conversations in segments. Um, so those make more sense. It's unfortunate. The thing was, is all of these technologies, all of these things were things that were the podcast and streaming. It was ways for us to, to, it was new way to experience things. And it's turning back into, right? People have talked about this for a while with the, with the cord cutting. It was like, oh, but now you've got Disney Plus, you've got Netflix, you've got this. Oh, it's going to turn. Somebody's like, well, what if they started to bundle them? Oh, so we're going to have cable over the internet now instead. And now it's like, for, podcasts were great for so long. I've been a podcast head since 2005, right? It was just content. Like, and now it's turning into what radio used to be or TV. Um, Which is like what I stopped watching, right? Yeah, I stopped the listening to the radio. <laughs> so right now, and hopefully they don't, in, in um, what do you say, interfere with it too much or learn. Because audiobooks are popular now, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Podcasts weren't that popular. Audiobooks were not popular, especially when I was growing up. So now I have something like Sandman, which I was raving about. And... Um, it's not interrupted by things that are, that are outside of the, the, the vibe of what I'm, you know, the content, right? I don't want Sandman broken up by an ad for anything unless it's like an ad for, I don't know, black hair dye. I, I, not even that, but you know, like, because it's really intensely in one mood. Um, and you know, that's what the last podcast on left used to be. It used to be just intense talk about this topic and not, about ball shaving cream, which yeah. uh, <laughs> manscape manscaping. Like uh, I heard that ad the other day when you were listening, I was like, but well, and the other thing is that it's so it's become so obvious who they think you are based off of what you're listening to. Right. Peloton bikes are being sold to me on, uh, what do you call it? Pod save America. Like, you know, what audience it, it, anyways, I don't want to go on and on about it, but podcasts they're getting interesting mm-hmm. and the other news of course is that we're going to get a dune trailer soon next week next week mm-hmm. empire magazine had apparently the first look at the sandworms and mm-hmm. i looked at the picture and it was not impressive not because they won't be but it was just like <laughs> the, the looking straight into the mouth and it was right. all artistic looking and i was like this like this is very clickbaity yeah, I was like, I, this isn't giving me a real good understanding yeah. of what they're going to look like. <laughs> I, I see some teeth, I think. And you know what? But, Another fun thing is we watched, um, what did we watch recently? It was like Thor and Skellens, is that his name? Skellen Skarsgård? Mm-hmm. He he's in it and he's going to be Duke, or not Duke, uh, Baron 
Harkonnen, and, but he's like really goofy in the Avengers movies. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he's going to be a villain now. Yeah. But he's a good actor. You're, I like him a lot. So particularly um, Dark World, right? He's like running around naked and being like super crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to have him in it. Okay, so that's what like that's what's going on. And sticking with what we've been doing, kind of anything else that you've been doing aside from watching Thor: Dark World? Um, so I started the eighth Witcher book. <laughs> Is eight? Yeah, there's like ten Witcher books or something like that. Wow. Yeah, and even though they all have kind of an overarching story, it's more like his life, right? So he's been into heavy plots, but also not like he he just wanders the world. It's kind of like you imagine like Han Solo, sort of, right? Like he he had his smuggler job, and then he got into the major uh, conflict in the universe or in the in that in that galaxy or whatever. And then I don't know. We assume that he went back on to do for some weird reason. That's what the the prequel or the sequel movies tend to uh, to uh, indicate is that he just went back to being kind of a low class smuggler afterwards. But, you know, that's I mean, the, he the got married, had kids, was a dad. But it seems like he was kind of an absent dad. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. You know what I mean? He's still wearing the same clothes he was wearing when his late 20s. <laughs> Maybe he had a midlife crisis and reverted back. Right. Good point. So anyways, the, the, the witch, of the point being is he, he goes in and out of the world, like the world-spanning uh, plots. Wow. And, um, so, yeah, anyways, it's it's really good. And then... I watched um, on and off a bunch of Marvel stuff. Shalia's going all the way through the Marvel stuff, but I'll let her talk more into that. Yeah. So, Tim, do you remember um, when, like, towards the beginning-ish of quarantine, um, we were making it through the Marvel mm-hmm. universe, and um, we, I got kind of stuck at uh, Agent Carter because I'm including the TV shows in with my watch, and I'm going by um, not release date, but uh, the timeline. The timeline. Right, so Captain America, First Avenger, and then going forward. So got kind of side-tracked with Agent Carter, but um, got through that. And then anyway, so recently I've watched, I I think I also got paused on Iron Man 2. Kendon came in and was watching with me, and then I stopped so that he could finish it with me. (laughs) And so I had had a pretty big pause, and then I just decided to watch it without him. So uh, I'm done with all of the Iron Mans. Mm-hmm. I've had the first Avengers. Um, I've done Thor and Thor 2. And right now I'm about to start Winter Soldier. Oh. Um, but, oh, that's it. I um, I got confused and I got, I guess, a little uh, excited. And I jumped to Thor 2 before finish, or before starting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm a little, I, I jumped ahead a little bit, but not too much. So now I'm in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and need to watch um, about... I think I'm like 10 more episodes of that before I'm back on the timeline with Thor 2 and then can go, I think, back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but like, I never watched really the TV shows. And so the sure. thing that's most remarkable to me is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because um, I didn't really know what it was about fully. And it's kind of fun. So, <laughs> yeah. So the, the series finale was really, really good. And that's the thing. I'm like, and, and now it's done. So I will. Um, you know, but I'm gonna. It's it's it. There's movies spliced in between for the timeline, so mm-hmm. it'll be a while before I finish Agents of Shield because I'm only watching like the first season right now. Yeah. So that's that's enjoyable, and for um 
friends who are looking for things to do. I've, I've known quite a few people who've made their way through the Marvel movies. Um, I think it's worth it. I think it's fun. And uh, this is the first time I've done it via the timeline. And it is really cool to understand the references, like with Iron Man talking about Howard Stark and being like, I know Howard Stark. I, I'm remembering, you know, his introduction in, um, in Captain America but then also spending quite a bit of time with him in Agent Carter. And so like yeah. having a, like a, a, you know, a more robust understanding of his backstory and um, even though and he's Jarvis. not. And Jarvis too. Yeah. Having, having some of Jarvis there now Jarvis isn't alive yet. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. Um, also I had not seen Iron Man three before, so that was interesting. Yeah. Cause good. I have a few things to, I, I wanted to add in. So first of all, she hadn't seen Iron Man 3, and I had been, okay, so I'm not a huge fan of the, the Iron Man series overall. Um, I liked the first one, um, but the other two I think were kind of muddy or not, less interesting. But Iron Man 3 has one of my favorite moments out of all uh, of uh, the Marvel series. Um, and you know, remember Tim, how everybody was like, oh, the Mandarin, that's a real problematic yeah. character. Oh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> and then when you get to find out like the actual thing behind the mandarin it was like the most like just hilarious kind of brilliant subversion on it and shalia she found out at some point like intervening but still she she hadn't seen it so she got that joy of seeing what this character's i mean that's seven that was seven years ago do we get to talk about it i don't know yeah yeah so he's just a broke british actor <laughs> it was with some so substance issues perfect. And he finally gets all, they're showing him like towards the end when he's getting, is it, the, is it in the, the credits or something? He's being taken away by the police and there's all of these people like watching and he's like, oh, I finally got my crowd. Yeah. Like that was really great. And then the other thing I noticed um, towards the end of, um, what do you call it? Uh, the first Avengers movie? Yeah. Like the first time we see Thanos, he's a different character. Yeah. Like they did, like it's very clear. Like as much planning as they did do, they hadn't had it all planned out yet. So he was hanging out. So he used to be. So the Mad Titan they called him because supposedly he was from the moon of the Titan, which is a moon of Saturn, right? Um, and so he's just hanging out like in a floating throne, instead of on that major flagship or going off and doing all of this stuff. He's a much different character by the time we see him in um infinity war and also uh one of the minions mentions courting death and that's what makes him grin because in the comics he's literally courting death right like lady death is who he's trying to get to fall in love with them that's why he's gonna kill half the universe it's like giving her a bunch of roses or something they completely changed what his motivation is by the time you get to end game so it's weird that he's like a different character and you can tell that he is he's almost like a placeholder for yeah. what he turns into um and uh let's see they had him as josh brolin by the time he puts on the gauntlet and is like i guess i'm gonna have yeah. to do it myself was, yeah what was that after which movie do you know was it a Guardian movie it was at the end of age of ultron mm -hmm. yeah so you can definitely see the uh the evolution i mean captain america looks as much as I, he's my favorite character he looks so goofy in the avengers all bright blue and all of that that sort of stuff compared to what he is by the time um the later movies come around but that's the fun part is like especially following the timeline 
like we know that there's going to be a lot that happens in between the end of the first Avengers movie and us actually getting some time with Thanos. So like, I, I, it's not unbelievable to me that he doesn't have a ship right now. He hasn't decided what he's going to do. And then at the end of Age of Ultron, he's like, okay, this is, this, you know, this is where it's headed. So like that there are, there are things developing in the backstory that we're getting glimpses of. And then they, you know, it, we get introduced to it. Like I it just, it's so fun. And I think it was smart of them to do, um, to keep themselves, like give themselves some flexibility that, you know, we're going to do this, but we don't really know what it's going to look like. And it's okay because we're, you know, it's it's not contradictory. Um, it's a, yeah, it works. They make they make it work. So really, really fun. Um, happy to have Agent or not Agent Carter, um, Agents of Shield. If, sorry, in my life. Um, but the one thing I did want to mention is that the Incredible Hulk is not available. <laughs> um, so I've been watching the movies on um, Disney Plus. And I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on Netflix. But I made it to Incredible Hulk and was like, okay, I've never seen Incredible Hulk. Uh, I'm going to watch it. And it's not either. I would have had to pay for it or it's not available at all. Probably it's the former. But anyway, so I skipped Hulk, um, unfortunately. Well, it's, let's see. I mean, it was Marvel Studios before they were acquired by Disney. But so was Iron Man 1. With Universal Pictures. I think it's their deal. Huh. They have the Hulk deal, I think. That's why there's no solo Hulk movie. He can only be in like team ups with Marvel. Yeah. And I it's um, like Spider Man, I don't know. It's a little unfortunate because there are a lot of references to that movie in the later movies. And so like Dr. Selvig is like they're referencing that. I don't I mean, I don't know if any of the same actors or actors, and I don't know what characters are actually in it, but there are a lot of references to that movie. I think the main one is Thunderbolt Ross, right? Yeah, he's the main one. He stays around all into all civil war, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the that's the military leader. He's like a general or something. I don't know who that is. That's what yeah, he, he, he gives a speech in Infinity War where he talks to them about signing the accords. Okay. You mean civil war? Civil war. Okay, yeah. Accords, yeah. Is he played by John Hurt? Who's who plays him? Good question. Um, I think I think he you know Leto Atreides from. Um, Mm-hmm. from the the sci-fi miniseries of dune mm-hmm. yeah i think it's played i think he plays the guy but yeah so really fun i i recommend it friends if you haven't uh started it or haven't done that yet since quarantine um what's those, interesting yeah we've what's got the interesting time to is do that it. future movies might go into the past again <laughs> so the the order is going to change again you're going to watch from the if you watch from the beginning again it's going to be like i don't know is the eternals Maybe the Eternals might take place like a thousand years ago. Yeah, it might. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see. Anyway, um, the other thing I'm doing is trying to squeeze out these last days of summer by making sure I go to the water and visit the lake. Um, if not every day, at least every other day. So I've been yeah. out at the water. Um, my glasses tan line is, is uh, yeah. <laughs> becoming is, uh, predominant on my face. Uh, so there's that. But yeah, so just trying to soak up that um, vitamin D outside and and get in the water um, before I run out of those days left. But anyway, Tim, I assume you're still doing your walks? I am. I did a walk yesterday morning. It was good. I needed it for sure. <clears throat> what else are you up to? I, um, I went to my first virtual uh, film festival. Oh, which one? 
the do a Mopop does a sci-fi fantasy and fiction fantasy and sci fiction short so it's like two short film blocks and Q and A's. So there's some really funny ones. There's a really good one called Plan uh, Side B about this YouTuber who's making a vlog with her mom while they're out on vacation in this cabin. And things start happening that she doesn't remember, but she's seeing it as she's editing her YouTube videos. Uh, like in the background? Like, no, it's happening to her. She just doesn't remember. Oh. And it's a video. She's like, what is this? I don't remember any of this. That's, that's a good one. Uh, one, <coughs> one called, it's called Summon a Fiend. And this girl's lonely, so she finds like this book to summon a fiend, but she thinks it says summon a friend. Oh. Kid. She's like, well, I need a friend. So she's got this demon <laughs> with her. <laughs> she's trying to convince to have like tea parties and be her friend. That was great. That's good how, how to serve humans. Yeah, essentially. Well, but a fiend <laughs> is also affectionate, right? Like, or not affectionate, but like a fiend yeah. is is a negative but it's also like into you, yeah. right? But it's funny because he's trying to force people to be her friend, like yeah, being her friend. That's pretty funny. That was a good one. Um, and I also I cannot talk about it. I'm let you know right now, Celia. I can't talk about it. But I watched a movie. <gasps> you did. I'm so jealous. Can't talk about it. You can't talk about it. Um, can you talk about the circumstances? Like, was it? <laughs> Was it a live watch with others? No, streaming. Streaming. So you watched like it the alone. craziest, like Disney has this crazy like authentication you have to go to to even get the link. And when you get the link, like it has like my name on it and the date. Like they don't play around. You're not gonna pirate this film. With Question. Your, with your name on it. Question for you: Had you yeah. not had Apple TV, would you have been able to stream it? You stream it from your laptop. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah, um, we only have a few more days. Few more, a few more days for them to figure this out. So I can watch what I want to. Kendon made a really good point, though, that the reason I love Mulan is partially representation. Um, as yes. a brown girl, and like my best friend is um, part Chinese. And her mom always reminded me so much of Mulan's mom um, as a woman, right? Woman being able to fight and, and have agency. Um, Mulan was like a really important movie for me. And I'm also excited to share that. Like, so there's that. There's, I want to share that story and experience with my niece and the younger generation. I'm excited to see what they do with the live action because I think it's going to be great. I just know it's going to be good. Um, and there's like the nostalgia factor too. And so kind of um, realizing that like, just because these like top companies can't decide on a money point, um, they're, they're making it unavailable for me. I'm just kind of like, all right, well. I think they'll figure something out. I think they will. And I'm also, what did you say? Don't have more loyalty than they have for you. Yeah, you should never have more loyalty to a company than they have to you. So... That's I'm 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 accepting it. that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I will see it eventually. I just you'll, don't get to necessarily watch it on Friday. You'll see it for sure. Well, congratulations, Tim. I'm happy for you. Did I tell you that we did a um, film festival earlier this summer? No. So uh, Jono's dad does a. It's called the Awful Fest, and he does Awful Film Festival every year. Um, 
uh, one weekend every year in the summer. I forget which weekend it is, like early July. And they play awful movies, just like old, awful movies. Wow. Um, this year they did it all virtual and it ended up just being kind of like, there was no members of the public there. I mean, we could have shared it if we had remembered to, um, but like it's usually people come in and are there physically. Um, this year they just did it on Zoom. And so it was like kind of family members on the mm -hmm. side and we we're all watching this, like did a share screen or something, I'm not sure, and watched it. And it was really fun. Um, the Ken and I only made it to one of the, the movies from that. Um, and there was no panel or Q&A, <laughs> but um, it was uh, The Man in the White Coat. Sounds uh, it was good. It was about like um, inventing a new fabric that doesn't wrinkle or stain. And then mm -hmm. the fashion industry being like, but we want clothes to have kind of a timeline because we want to make more stuff. And you're kind of cutting into our, our profits there. Um, and so just like, but it was somebody famous who is uh, the lead what? in that. Was it Peter Cushing? Who's that? Um, was it either Grant, it was either Grand Moff Tarkin or Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. I think it was. I think it was a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was really fun. And it was not awful. It was pretty fun to watch. Um, so yeah, we did do that <laughs> earlier this summer. Anything else that you've been up to, Tim? That's been it. <clears throat> All right, are you guys ready to visit Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Big Trouble in Little China. Wow. That's wow. my reaction. Wow. Uh, Tim, tell us who made this movie, how this movie was made. This is from 1986, uh, directed by John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Starring Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, James Hong, Victor Wong, Kate Burton, Donald Lee, Carter Young, Peter Kwong, James Pack, and Susie Pye. Starring Kurt Russell, which is Starring funny, Kurt. right? Because he's <laughs> he's not the star, but he is the star. But he's not. Yeah. The star. He's the star. He's not necessarily the hero of the movie. No, no. which I like. Yeah. Um, okay, so 1986, this takes place in San Francisco's Chinatown. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to, since you, well, who picked this, did you pick yeah, this one? Yeah. Why'd you pick this movie and tell us Tim what it's recommended about? It and I'd never seen it, and then it gets referenced a lot, I feel like, as a formative movie for a lot of people. So I'll have, Tim, I think Tim should explain the, the plot. I just, I, I'm glad I picked it. Right. Very different than I expected. I think the cover gives makes me confused. It looks like, well, it is an action movie, but I didn't realize like it's sci-fi. I didn't, or not sci-fi, fantasy. <laughs> I didn't know there was magic yeah. <laughs> and mystical creatures um, and thunder. Uh, so that was interesting. Tim, oh, can the, you the rough or the the not references, but yeah, yeah, influences is going to be fun. Yeah. Tim, so... can you tell us what it's about? It's essentially, I'm going to try to get the name right. Hold on. Um, Jack Burton is played by Kurt Russell, and he goes to the airport with his friend to pick up his green-eyed fiance from China. She gets kidnapped, so they follow him to a warehouse um, in Chinatown, and there's like, a, there's like these two street gangs show up to fight. So it's this crazy street gang fight, and then these three magical dudes show up, 
and it's bonkers. So they, they run away. Then they devise a plan to go back and break in and get his fiance, which leads to a bunch of random circumstances. They're in this warehouse that seems endless. I don't know how far down it goes. I don't know how big it is, but it's it's all very like magical. The whole thing and uh, what's the name of the bad guy? Lopan. Lopan takes on different forms, and he's trying to become flesh and marry uh, this green-eyed woman to give him human form, I guess. So they weren't looking for her to begin with, were they? No. They were trying to kidnap some other woman. Yeah. yeah. Just okay. So, like the under the foundation, the underlying element of this is like human trafficking, right? Like yeah. girls coming from China yeah, well. and taking them, and uh, and yeah, that's how we find her. Is yeah. is she's in, um, yeah, she's in like a, I don't know what you call that, but yeah, yeah, they're definitely selling girls. So there's that. Yeah, there's magic and martial arts, and his buddy. I like that scene where he realizes his friends like really good at martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he has no idea and his friends like flying all over and kicking people in the face and he's kind of the hero of the movie yeah. Tim, what's the term for the type of kind of flying wire hong kong um martial arts movies that people became mostly familiar with uh from crouching tiger i have no idea there's a term for that and maybe i'll look it up um but that sort of wire work i haven't seen in any of like pretty much any of the movies we've been watching like paired with martial arts but it's something you see a lot afterwards yeah. with, like I said, Crouching Tiger. This movie had that. Yeah. Like them flying back and forth, like fighting in the air, massive jumps. Yeah. Um, very. I saw, I saw that a lot when I was growing up watching martial arts films. I saw that a lot. A Did lot. you? With like swords and stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't recall that. I, you probably saw more martial arts movies growing up than I did. I, I mostly saw the, the Bruce Lee classics, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, yeah. So Jack Burton is our, it's like, you know how they say like, you should be the main character of your own story type of thing, right? Like this is Jack's story. And so he's the main character in it, but like, he's just kind of tagging along. Like he's there because he had, you know, he delivers pork chops. I think it's pork chops to this restaurant where Wang is and they hang out afterwards, right? Like he, he, he takes a break and they make bets and, um, and he stole his truck. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's further down the line. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, he's there because he's giving Wang now owes him money. And so he's like, I'm going to watch. But it's like, it never took it too seriously, but okay. Um, and so that's why they're at the airport. And then he sees Kim Cattrall and is like, ooh, hello. Like, <laughs> <All right. laughs> he's over there with that and like d- takes offense to those guys. And, pushing their way through with those silly glasses one of them had that like silly um and then yeah they end up they end up not being able to take the woman who kim Cattrall is there for and so they just take wang's fiance instead um so the woman they were after do we think they she had green eyes no yeah i think they all had green eyes because no the girl the girl who she was picking out did not have green eyes I think they just wanted her for like I I really think this is all coincidence like they those guys wanted her for their human trafficking this that they weird. were just so, going to take so her the, and then they took this other girl instead who had green eyes and then Lopan is like oh green eyes like that's how the so pillars the major end up villain of this 
just kind of stumbled into two of the type of women that he was looking for. Yeah. Also, like, how hard was he looking? Like, <laughs> because I thought it was. Shlee and I both thought it was he needed like a Chinese woman or a woman from that area with green eyes. Which I thought so rare, too. Right? But like, why wasn't he over there looking? Control, and it's like, oh, then why aren't you looking in Ireland? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does at some point say he had other wives and they just didn't last. Yeah, because they have to last through that whole thing, that ceremony thing. But that didn't look like it would take that long to last. Yeah, but they have to hold that, that fiery rod. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. That those two both passed. They passed it. By not uh, doing much. And she's uh, conscious. That's the funny part. Like, Kim Cattrall's just like, hey, are you okay? Like, yeah. she's. <laughs> she's that other woman has almost no lines. None. No. This is not a, a movie about female agency. You, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. She could have been played by a mannequin. Ha 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 ha. Huh? What what's uh what cracks me up is those so those three Raiden type of characters show up and it completely turns into a different movie at that point. Mm-hmm. It seems like a regular action movie at the beginning with the fighting and then it turns into like this crazy fantasy and you've got this kind of super alpha male guy and Kurt Russell who's sort of thrust into this completely crazy fantasy world where not, none of that alpha stuff really matters. None of it matters. Yeah. None of it, it has, it holds zero weight in this world that he's in. And he's funny, really one just of the funniest scenes is when he's like, no, give me this gun. Right? Yeah. Because he would, that, that's kind of like the only use he, he is. Like he can yeah. brawl, but he can't fight, fight. Can't fight. Can't fight. And they're all just kind of like, okay, you're here. Like, um, yeah. Wang is like, I'm going to go by myself and go get her. And he's like, I told you I'm coming. Like, yeah. He's yeah. like. <laughs> well, this movie doesn't, this movie gets started and it doesn't stop. And I love that. And it just gets more crazy. Like, so again, it starts and you're just kind of like, okay, what's going on? And then, and like that, like standoff between the two gangs in the street, like in that alley, you're like, okay, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And then it just continues to go crazier and crazier. Kim Cattrall is in, like, she's hilarious. Just like yeah. over the top, Gracie Law. Um, yeah. Just like, it, and she's really good at telling you what kind of movie you're in. Like, yeah. This is not at Exposition all. Exposition machine. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just like with a lot of that energy and um yeah. And then you've got <laughs> and then Kurt Russell, like he did have a he did have a role to play when he went in to um the what is it called? Like the prostitution house or whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> so that was he did have a role there. He like but, dressed up all geeky or whatever. And it was really good. He looked good. Um it does. This movie does something that I really like. The, the scene when they escape, and then realize that they left Kim Cattrall behind because she gets like kidnapped by that monster thing. Soon they have to go back, have to break back in. Well, what did so that funny, monster remind the... you of? Nothing. It. Look, I, I don't know if it's Razor or Toka from Ninja Turtles Two. Oh yeah. The, he looked very much like the the wolf uh, <clears throat> mutant to me. Um, what was so funny to me was like okay they escaped like woo we did it and then they're both like wait we didn't get the girl which is what we were there for and we lost another one (laughs) did you did you succeed or no I mean they did rescue a whole lot of other people which is good but like that was pretty funny of like um, but our purpose of this mission still exists and we still have to go back and our Um, guy shows up who's in every 80s film as the bad Asian guy with the mm mustache What's his, what's his name? 
I don't know. His personality is not I did expect him to be more of a central character. Like, I would have thought he would have been one of the pillars. Yeah, we showed up. I was like, hey! I don't know which one it is, but one of the pillars, that actor came to um, to the audition. He was just going to be, like, one of the fighters. And he was so good that they were like, we're going to elevate you to the pillar. Like, we're going to make you one of these main His name is Al Leong. Yeah. Yeah, he's in everything. Um, So... One thing that I didn't think about, and then I was listening to a podcast about this and was like, oh yeah, was that Jackie Chan was missing from this. I kind of would have thought, especially like how goofy this movie was, I would have maybe thought he would have been in this, but apparently he turned it down because he was trying to rebrand himself. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I feel like he didn't, didn't come strongly to the States until the 90s. Like he was a huge star over in, in um, probably well, China or Hong Kong. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, but not over, not here yet. Yeah. yeah, but he did. He turned it down. Although um, this reminded me a lot of Rumble in the Bronx in certain parts for some reason. So, mm-hmm. have you seen Rumble in the Bronx? Really? Nope. What? That was the first Jackie Chan I ever saw, and that was like, like, what they make movies like this? Yeah. <laughs> it was no. crazy. It was. Was that his first major one to cross over into the United States? You know? Yeah, I think so. I don't think we've seen him at all in our podcast yet. Well. So we might need to get Rumble in the Bronx on the books. I mean, that's like 95. Oh. Really? Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, I don't, I feel like he didn't really cross over until the 90s. Okay. Okay. Well, he turned it down. Um, and, yeah. So also learned from this podcast that I don't remember the name of it. Um. That this was written as a western in the yeah. 1800s, and they, like somebody came in and like just like did a full rewrite, and that's when John Carpenter and Kurt Russell got on board. Which like I thought it was going to be funny. right around or right before the time of the Great Earthquake. I think it would have been less. I think I think it would have been less fun um, doing it that way because. Yeah. I still want to see Kung Fu Hustle. I don't know. Maybe a western slash mark. Uh, martial arts movie would be fun i'm sure it would be but i just think this would be less fun also um it's going to be interesting so there is a remake coming right with the rock and i feel like the rock can't be as out of place as jack burton as kurt russell is in all of this it can be if you saw the central intelligence he Mm -hmm. can pull it off he can out of place guy Who's kind of there? He has to dial down the rock a little bit, <laughs> or or dial it up, right? Because if he dials up that I'm this super competent guy in the regular world, oh wait, there's a magic, there's like this whole magical thing underneath San Francisco, and I'm gonna keep having the bravado, yeah, but it's not, it's it's out of place with yeah. the actual situation. Yeah, I'm not competent in the way that I thought I was. That could work. That was such a great scene with um, Wang being like, we'll fight together. And Kurt Russell is like bending over to trying to grab something from his boot. And like, by the time he gets back and ready, Wang's like kicked all of their butts. Yeah. (laughs) Also, like, uh, there's a nice kind of Hobbit almost reference where he he shoots his gun up in the air for some reason. It hits the the archway above him and the rocks fall on top of him (laughs) and he misses a significant part of the fight. I don't know that, how that's a reference to The Hobbit. Um, in The Hobbit, in the Battle of Five Armies, like the end of the book. Oh, yeah. He gets knocked <clears throat> yeah. out, and miss, he misses the entire battle. 
Yeah. He just gets knocked out. Knocked out. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see because I think that's the, that's, you were coming off Kurt Russell as like a, an action star and that's the most fascinating thing about watching this movie is he's not really that guy in the film. Well, the funny thing is apparently he hadn't had a hit in a few years. So they were looking at either um, Clint Eastwood or who's the other person that would not have been good in this movie? Did you recall the two people they were? I'm I sure don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure it was probably Stallone. Nope, nope. It was not that. I'll try to find. But Clint Eastwood was one of the two people that they were looking at for this. Um, and that would have been just not the right movie because Kurt Russell has an everyman sort of, everyday man sort of, but still could be an action hero. Like he's got way more charisma, you know? Yeah. He's, he's friendlier. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's not very friendly. <laughs> like. So the other person was Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow. What a different movie. Is, that? <laughs> uh, is it like a spoof on Chinatown? Like, what are they doing? I have no idea. But those two choices, this would be a way different movie. It would have, it would have been way, way, way different. Because they can both play the straight man, which is what Kurt Russell's doing here. But, like, right. the tone of this movie is just, it's way over different. the top, yeah. right? So this, it just really wouldn't, yeah, it really wouldn't fit. Oh, it, they'd have to have written around it. Like I, the, the Jack Nicholson just being kind of sarcastic, like knowing the whole time, having that knowing look yeah. may, may have worked, especially because he's not an action guy in particular. Right. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's why it would have been weird. Yeah, it would have been like a rush hour situation almost. Yeah, I don't this know. This has some similarities to rush hour in that way too. Yeah, except for it's... Yeah. Well, it's not the opposite. <laughs> like, well, Chris Rock is the funny one. He he can use a gun, and he uh, yeah. But that's about it, I guess. <laughs> there are competence uh, elements. So Rush Hour isn't Chris Rock, is it? No, Chris, Chris Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I have a question for you. Um, I watched this movie, and I realized that it being an '80s movie, like taking place around Chinese themes and stuff. I was expecting this might be a problematic movie. You actually asked that question. You were like, is this going to be a problem? And it, I mean, <laughs> if you talk to some Asian people or some other people, they probably think could point out, but I feel like the Asian characters were, came off really, really well. In particular, <laughs> Wang. Wang is very competent. He seems pretty cool. He's got, you know, like he doesn't seem like the, the emasculated kind of Asian person or any. Very asexual. Yeah. yeah, none of that. And he's the he's the he's the protagonist. Like you might be able to say, oh well, they put Kurt Russell forward, and it's not that it's a parody of that. It's just a oh yeah, he thinks he is, but yeah. the guy who's doing like the real work yeah. is yeah. And even though Kurt Russell gets to kill the the main bad guy, it's just because he has this one specific skill. Yeah, the knife. Throw. And it's fun. Yeah, it's that part is fun. But like the real work is being done by Wang and all. Egg is, is really great, and the the gang that follow them around is great. I was a I was a really a fan of this movie, and I feel like if I put myself in the shoes of an Asian person, if I could, like a a, a child at that time, I would have come out of this being like, we're badasses. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, <clears throat> I do think it wasn't as problematic as I thought it could be. And I agree with all of those points in terms of like Wang is a strong, pretty great character. And it, it part of the funniness of the movie is that he's like the sidekick 
to right. the hero, although he's not, right? The, like like the, Green Hornet. Yeah. Like, but the problem, the problem, one of the problems that I see with it is this like um having having these like these uh characters that are like the big bad guys that they're selling women tying them to beds um like this like basically the human trafficking element to it and that like idea that you're tying that to um you know a specific culture um or subset of people so i think there is a little bit of problematic there of like these are the guys who do that Uh, but there is that but part of what i saw is that this story you could do could you could take this um blueprint on and put it onto a lot of different cultures i feel like mm-hmm. which is really cool um because all types of different cultures and i don't know the nordic countries or whatever have their own deep lore of you know demons and just all of this yeah. other stuff that could be like you could be like underneath i mean i guess if they were nordic people would be underneath like fargo or something like that <laughs> um but that, that that i really i, I felt like it, it didn't overly otherize them necessarily um or yeah i think your point huh or villainize or villainize because the villain he was kind of fun like he reminded me a little bit of like maybe a skeletor from the masters of the universe movie which we still need to do like he was a little knowing he was in the modern world he wasn't overly serious um they could have done him wrong but he was a, a fun antagonist that you wanted to see them take down. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there's so much, and I'm going to bleed into refer or into um, influences slash references a little bit because we've already kind of done it. Which is that he ended up being the uh, main influence for Shang Tsung in the in the Mortal Kombat series. So kind of an ancient sorcerer who can shape shift into multiple forms. Mm-hmm. And then I immediately he was like with uh, the, what do you call them? His three enforcers, which are named after different aspects of a storm. So you have thunder, lightning, and rain. And it's either thunder or lightning. It must be lightning. I was like, that's Raiden. That's Raiden for, for Mortal Kombat. Like I said it over and over. He's got the hat and the movements. Like they really matched that in those early Mortal Kombat things, uh, like movies and the movie and the games. Um, so yeah, he that those were were a um, influence on Mortal Kombat, and then the whole view, the whole look of it. And I feel like um, even uh, Liu Kang, who's the major um, protagonist of the Mortal Kombat series, I feel like Wang has some some. He kind of is similar in certain ways to me. There's also the like the making of this. Um, the special effects I thought were pretty good. So like you're mentioning the lightning, and like it was kind of silly. He's like holding it and like writing it up, and it didn't quite look realistic. But then it sort of yeah. did. And yeah. like the way they were splicing it in, I thought like you guys did a pretty good job on this. Um, yeah. And then you've got the uh, what's the op- um, the opposite of special effects? Well, I guess it's still special practical. effects. Practical, practical, right? Like the the various monsters in this. Um, mm. Shalia did not react the way I thought she was going to because when, when I saw the the floating multi eyeball gross. Oh thing, yeah, Ugh. I was like, that's probably the worst thing. Shalia, like, you probably thought it was gross, but you didn't like do your usual like, oh my god. Yeah, no, it didn't bother me that much. It just seemed silly. Yeah, I think it's the way it, it floated around and kind of looked a little goofy, cartoony. That yeah. made me it looked like something out of like a Ninja Turtles cartoon, like Crane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
like the other i mean as far as influences i feel like ninja turtles the idea that there's this kind of ma- magical world underneath a major city mm-hmm. um ninja turtles i think really leans into that sort of idea as well like this movie has to have been very very influential it's 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 crazy in a way that like action movies weren't super crazy like that in the 80s like it's it has a nice balance of action serious action and martial arts and absolute bonkers sci-fi fantasy right it's it's a good marriage of both and they just either you want a full fantasy like legend and the boy who could fly or um never ending story or you were like hardcore action and this was kind of a nice blend of both like how do you know what action in here and but yet still have moments of the film that feel like you're watching a serious action movie the other thing that i that kind of pops into my head a little bit is um the Goonies. That's literally what I was saying. And um, to a certain extent, Labyrinth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is you're descending into this crazy world that supposedly is, I don't know, three, four stories below the regular <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because Tim's on. background, Tim, your background right now is literally the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Just realizing. It's like, yeah. It's, anyways, go ahead. I was going to say like, there's so much happening underneath, kind of what Leo was saying. There's so much happening underneath a normal city. Like, while we're asleep, there's this whole world that's happening that we don't know about. And you create whatever you want. Who excavated all of this, this it's been space there. down there? It's, it's been, been there, there the whole time. whole time. So I wish I had had time to do a little bit of research because one of the things I'm interested in is um, – what is new for the movie and what existed already? I get the impression that some of the lore that's in this movie existed. I don't know in what aspects that was real, right? That these are part of customs or beliefs that we have. This whole like different types of hell. We have we have all kinds of different types of hell. This is the hell of um, upside down sinners. And this is the hell of this thing or that thing. And I, I kind of hope some of that is pulling from real lore so that it adds an extra element to how fun this movie is, but I don't know because I didn't have time to look into it. Do you guys? Do you guys know if any of this is somewhat? I wouldn't real? be surprised, but who wrote the script is the question, right? Oh, let's see. Gary Goldman. That's the only credited screenwriter. And two others who also wrote Total Recall. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Uh, produced Minority Report. But does it seem like anybody with like a uh, Chinese background was in on the writing? W.D. Richer and Dave Weinstein. It's an adaptation of a W.D. Richer. So it's adapted from something. From a novel? Yeah, it sounds like. Maybe that's where the research came in. Because it seemed like there was some authenticity to it, but in the way that, like, you, we loosely have King Arthur sort of things or, or some, something like that where there's maybe some historical element to it but then you just map whatever you want onto it for the ancient ritual that needs to be brought back and all of that um huge fan of this movie i really like it <laughs> uh fun fact i was i was just looking up uh that question to see if i could get an answer i didn't but i found another fun fact under influences um, which is 2012 parody music video um gangnam style Right? Yeah, it was entitled Lopan Style <laughs> and had a feature, a storyline, and characters from the movie, including a cameo by James Hong. And it was an influence for Thor Ragnarok, according to Taika Waititi. Huh. 
So this is your first time seeing the movie? Yes. It's one of the ones where I'll definitely would want to see it again. And you had heard about it before? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it gets, I mean, as somebody who's so into video games and movie podcasts and just all that sort of stuff, it gets referenced by, by people, particularly people who are, again, a few years older than me, right? Because right. if this was 86, I would have been three. This is a rated R movie, which means... Is it rated even, R? Is it not? Is it? Let me check. Um, let's see here. No, it's PG-13. Good yeah. call. But yeah, no, still, I didn't. It's that timing gap where it just wouldn't have been what we would have rented by the time I was watching movies like that 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how old were you, Tim, when you first saw this movie? I was a kid, for sure. I had to been probably 11 or 12 when I watched it. Was it fun for you? Of course. I thought it was the coolest movie ever. Like, a bunch of martial arts and... That's all I was, I was consuming at the time it was action movies and martial arts films. So this was a nice blend of both. This movie, this movie would have been foundational for me if I had have yes. seen it. But it sounds like you didn't get to see it immediately, right? If this was '86, it was it had been out for a while. Yeah. So I mean, why the delay? Do you know? He would have been seven. Yeah, I wasn't going to the theater to watch it. Like, Fair enough. So, like, when did your uncle start taking you to these things? Was he a reasonable he never- age? He never took me. We watched stuff at the house. I don't think he ever took me to the theater. Yeah, this definitely seems like one that you watch at home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is also reminding me a bit of Bloodsport. You know? Yeah. Where they go into, again, this hidden world. Um, for yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's another, uh, I think, reference. Underground. Right. Access way? Access point? I did like how they... Um, they show us when they start to go into the warehouse, like they go through the wall and Kurt Russell's looking down that vent and then how later they come up through it. I was like, okay, okay. That's what you guys did there. It's kind of got the structure in a lot of time, in a lot of ways as a video game does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Okay. Uh, What's your favorite things? I really enjoyed um, Lopan. He thought he was funny. Yeah. He's a good villain. I didn't like looking at him. Which which version of him? Both, but mainly the old one. He was kind of creepy. He was like, ah, Gross. I'm going to have a body. Ah. <laughs> he was so cartoonish. It was great. I'm going to be mortal. Ah. And I was like, wait, is that what you, that's what you want? Kim Control like, goes and bites him. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. Lil Pan was great. Yeah, fair enough. Those, that's your fa- both of your favorites? Um, I don't know. Uh, this is gonna, this is a hard one. My favorite was the movie. <laughs> so that's what I was gonna say. Is like my favorite thing is like just for well, for me, it's the tone of this movie of just fun and incredible and ridiculous. Um, definitely doesn't take itself seriously, but also put itself together pretty well. Um, well. So yeah, that's I I'm impressed. You know, having a character just spout exposition is sometimes. There's mo- a lot of times is being is kind of a looked at as a bad thing, right? But, but the pace of this movie, the fact that you, like we don't have to go through scenes like a back, a, what do you call it, a flashback mm-hmm. to see that there that the woman that he originally needed is played by the same actress, and, right. or how he was cursed. Like no, no, the movie's just moving. It's yeah. just moving. It's called a movie. 
Um, we, we stop for like a quick breath every once in a while for somebody to spout off all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we're moving again. Yep. I really liked the pace of it. Um, so it gave me, I mean, the fifth element doesn't have as much of the, the, the breakneck pace, but it, it, it has energy, you know, right. keeps having energy. Um, so I really liked that about this movie, the characters. I like the dynamic that Kurt Russell is both the lead character but not really the protagonist i liked wang like wang. coming out like it's 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 um coming off as great representation i feel like yeah um even though he's a secret martial artist but he, he just comes across as like yeah but i live in a gang area so maybe i took some yeah. classes you know like yeah egg he's, was he's great the who, he's the one who informs Kurt russell of what's happening right he's, he gets yeah. information on lopan he gets information on the gangs yeah <laughs> It's pretty fun. Um, okay, anything else that you guys want to talk about for Big Trouble in Little China before we write it? That's it. What a fun movie. It seems like a good summertime movie, too. It is. Also reminded me of uh, Golden Child. Yeah, which came out uh, right after this, or very close together, right? Yeah, Barely. real close. And I've seen same... parts of it, but I, I can't say I've seen it front to back. Like it was like on TBS multiple oh, times. Sort of. Is, is a classic. Part of Eddie Murphy run. Yeah, and that um, same. I think that same actor I was mentioning that they yep. put as one of the pillars. He's in it too. He's in it. Yeah. Um, okay. Here we go. Nineteen eighty-six. Big Trouble in Little China. Is it a classic or are we past it? Uh, double classic. Classic. What do you mean double classic? I just want to give it a higher grade. Classic for sure. Yeah, I'll go with classic. Wait, why we? Why was there a deliberation <laughs> there? I mean, I didn't know what it was about until last night when we watched it, and I don't think it's that necessary in the world. But it wasn't. It's not bad. The <laughs> amount of things that it influenced that I can imagine it influenced makes it. I feel like a classic. Yeah, I yeah. liked it. Right, I liked it. So I'm going with classic because I liked it. Um, yeah. Okay, so next week it's my turn to pick a movie. It's your turn to pick a movie. You get All right, we'll be. It'll be a surprise. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it will be. Honestly, Overboard was one that I was. I was, I was in my mind this summer, say, but what are the chances there's a mermaid in this movie? There's no Kurt Russell back to back. So we will. I'll think of something else, and you will find out next week when Kendon. What will we be? We'll be back. <laughs> Thank you.